I was in the city the other day. It's so quiet. I thought, like, this is the quietest Sunday ever. And then I thought, were we going to have a month of Sundays? Mm. And then I thought, actually, according to the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, we're going to have six months of Sundays. Oh, my goodness. But it might not be six months. It might just be... What? Two months. <laughs> it might, yeah. I mean, yeah. Look, that would let, be let, enough. Let's hope so. I'm Jimmy Thompson. And I'm Sue Williams. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. So this week we've been looking at uh, some of the information coming out of, from strata managers. All right, they've been getting into the act now as well. Well, they kind of have to. I mean, these guys are the, the frontline troops, really. You know, they're the ones that, uh, OK, we have our volunteer committee members and, and office bearers who are, well, you know, you get the strata committee, you deserve, they say. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, these are the guys who have a professional obligation to keep everything working, basically. And uh, it's been quite interesting, some of the stuff that they come out with. Yeah, because I guess they offer a lot of guidance to the executive committees, don't they? I mean, they're the ones who've advised most executive committees to, to close the gyms and the pools, which have annoyed many of us, really, because it seems a bit unnecessary. But um, Well, yeah. it's funny because Strata, uh, what do they call it? Strata Community Australia, which is the... Peak uh, body for the Strata peak managers. body, I hate that phrase. The peak body for Strata managers in Australia. They say that... Uh, you should close your gym and swimming pool if you can't control access. Oh, okay, because most people could control access, couldn't they? They could have a system of a booking system, a simple yeah, booking system. Yeah, well, we system, know a, a, so. an apartment block that has exactly that. Mm. Actually, I know a personal trainer because they they've got a booking system that people that I'm not going to name. The building I'm not going to name has a booking system, and they only allow two people at a time, and that's provided they're related in some way, uh, personal trainers are not allowed. So you can't have one person and their personal trainer? No, but I know a personal trainer who's had himself registered as the significant other of his client. <laughs> right. That's quite genius, really. Yeah. But, you know, it's you kind of understand that the thinking of, look, just shut everything down, don't take any risk. You know, you get the email saying we're closing this down because our strata managers say we have to close it down and we'd lose our insurance and uh, we've had legal advice and blah, 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 blah. And I was actually talking to somebody in fair trading, very senior person in fair trading recently, and he said, we don't want to be telling people to shut their gyms because that's your home. But what we have to do is find a protocol so that you can keep the gym open safely. So why are they not saying that publicly? Because then most strata buildings would actually listen to that, I guess. I think they are not saying that publicly because they've got things that they think are much more important. Like, for instance, and we'll be talking about this later, uh, they've just decided to shelve the code of conduct for Airbnb. The one they've been working on for years now. The one that was sitting ready, gazetted, stamped, approved, signed and ready to go on Friday until somebody in the government got a phone call from somebody who is not in the government. From the Ruby Princess. Possibly. <laughs> and they said, can you not do this now? Oh, OK. Well, I guess they've got, the government's got an awful lot on their plate, both state and federal. Yeah, 
So therefore, it's up to strata managers, I suppose, to show a bit of leadership. So um, what are they doing? Well, you know, we look, our uh, principal sponsor for the, the website, uh, Strata Choice, who are one of the big players, they sent out an email, a very long email, last week to all their clients. And it's things like, you know, explaining about levies and self-isolation and not being able to have meetings in person, but having AGMs electronically. But part of every AGM is the election of the new committee. But the law says that has to be done in person. So how do they get around that? They're saying, look, have your AGM to approve your finances for the next year, because that's really important. But keep the committee as it is for now, until such times as you can have the meeting. And, you know, maybe that's the the right way to go about it. I don't Mm. know. I did think it was a bit silly holding the elections in Queensland when we were all kind of in lockdown, really. It just seemed a bit ridiculous. Oh, they cancel elections. Mm. So yeah. so maybe it's fine to, to keep on with the, the same committee for a while because it's hopefully not too much longer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, anyway. But and what else did they say? Are they kind of offering people a, a levies holiday or anything like that? Well, they can't because, well, there's two reasons. One is that they need levies coming in to pay for the running of the building. And the other reason is it's not up to the strata managers how much you pay in your levies or when you pay them. That is all set down by the strata committee, well, the, the owners corporation at the AGM. And they're not even in a position in New South Wales to say, uh, we won't charge a penalty interest. In New South Wales, it's in the law that if you're behind with your levies, you have to be charged 10% penalty interest. Mm. In Victoria and Queensland, it's in the law that they are allowed to charge penalty interest up to a certain level. But then a lot of the owners' corporations or body corporates in those states will put that in just as a normal part of their bylaws or their rules to say, if you are behind, you will be charged this, so that they don't have to go to that every time somebody's behind with their levies. So in both cases, the owners' corporation would have to say, we're not going to charge penalty interest, which I think would be fair. Mm. So are they offering any hope, really? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. I think they they were saying that you wouldn't be charged for the letter that goes out to tell you when you're late. Yes. So that's that's good. Oh, look, they're offering a lot of really good information. And, and uh, even things like if you go on their website, there's a thing about the etiquette of uh, electronic communication. Like if you're in a meeting that's done by Skype or Zoom or something like that, it explains to you how you should behave. Like you're not nice always idea. interacting other people and stuff so like that. So don't over talk over people. Don't talk don't over people. Don't talk over people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The whole levies thing, there's also the fact that they're saying that they are pushing all their payments through, that they're in control of, to subcontractors and the service providers. Because a lot of them are small businesses, you know, they're running on the smell of an oily rag as it is. Yeah. They're losing clients as people generally pull back. So they're doing that, but they're also saying to the treasurers on strata committees, you know, those strata committees where the treasurer must co-sign every cheque, they're saying, well, don't sit on that. You're not doing anybody any favours by sitting on the money because these service providers need that cash flow. Is there any evidence to suggest that owners' corporations are suffering with people not able to pay their levies on time? Not yet, but it's 
it's in the pipeline. You know, the levies come up every three months. So we haven't hit that. We're just starting to hit the first set of levies that have gone out since the crisis started. Right. But, you know, there are people who right now have lost their jobs, who haven't had the payment coming through from the government, who are sitting there looking at the levies and they're saying, well, we're hearing a lot about mortgage relief and we're hearing a lot about rent relief. What about levies relief? And it's a very different thing because most levies are done on a cash-in, cash-out basis. There are three ways you can look at this. I mean, if you are in an apartment block that basically runs on, you know, zero leeway in the levies, if you don't pay your levies and then a couple of other people don't pay their levies, then how are they going to pay their bills? If they haven't accumulated money in their sinking fund, as we used to call it, the maintenance fund or capital works fund, you're in trouble. Now, if they do have money in the capital works fund, they can borrow from that. Oh, that's a good idea. So that's one option. The other option is that there's now Lanark, the Strata Loans people, who are also one of our sponsors. They are offering a levies loan. So if the owner's corporation or the body corporate is not getting the levies in to pay all their bills and they don't have the sinking fund to draw from, they will provide a line of credit. Right. So that's not for individuals who can't pay their levies. It's for the owner's corporation to to afford their bills. To cover the shortfall, yeah. Yeah. Now, the obvious thing that occurs to you then is, well, that's all very well, but there's two or three individuals who are not paying their levies and everybody in the owner's corporation has to pay the interest on the loan, which doesn't seem fair. And that's where you would say, well, look, we're having to take a loan to cover your loss of levies or your shortage in levies, so we're going to have to charge you the penalty interest. Or maybe work out a payment plan well, they can <clears> do over that the next as well. year they or can two do that as well. yeah. to make up the money. Yeah, yeah but mm. it's nice to be able to help people who are financially in trouble, who cannot meet their levies commitments when they fall due, but that shouldn't necessarily fall back on the other owners. Mm. Yeah, but it's kind of, it's nice for all owners to be a bit more sympathetic and a bit more open to this because we're all in this mess together, but some people are in a much better position to be able to cope with the mess than others. I mean, there's lots of baby boomers and empty nesters in apartments now who maybe are not working anymore um, and they've got some cash reserves. I mean, their super isn't going anywhere, but they do have some It's going down. Yeah, that's right. But um, there may be young families or young couples or young single people who are really struggling with losing their jobs and still not getting the JobKeeper allowance yet. You know, it's nice to be able to be good to your neighbours and be considerate and have a little bit of flexibility. I think flexibility is the key. I don't think necessarily we should be asking retirees to pay more than they would normally to cover the shortfall from other people in the block. In the short term, I don't think that's such a no, bad idea. I'm, but I'm saying on, in overall, I think mm. you, what you're saying about flexibility and consideration, one of the things in the Choice newsletter was a link to a page on their website where you can fill in a form that gets sent to your owner's corporation, to your secretary or treasurer or whatever. And and it basically says, look, I can't pay my levies in one hit. Can I pay over a certain period? And it's a really good idea because it's all set out in a very formulaic way. So there's no 
question of not expressing yourself properly. You know, you get mm. people who might want to do something like that or might not even realize they can do something like that. So they just send a letter to the strata manager or the committee saying, can you let me off with my levies for the next three months or six months? And the answer to that is probably going to be no. Mm. But if they send them a form that says, I'm going to have trouble paying my levies, can I pay you over a certain period? Then they can at least look at that and calculate you know, what the risk to them is. Yeah, that sounds very much like the same template as the tenants union, perhaps again, um, tenants who are having trouble paying their rents. Mm. You know, it says it gives them a draft letter to, to kind of adapt for their own purposes. And it says, the reason I'm in difficulty is this, maybe I've lost a job or I'm working less now, less yeah. hours. I can actually claim these benefits and I will be in financial difficulty for this long yeah. And it's kind of, it's a very good idea because a lot of people just aren't in a position to to be able to write those kind of letters. You're absolutely right, or assemble the kind of information yeah. that other people need to consider their request. Yeah, and I think that's so important that the people who are making the decision feel that the information that they're being given is accurate and relevant. Yep, sure. Like everything else on this podcast, there will be links on the related story on the website flat-chat.com.au. So you can go and pick up and there's a whole thing based on the Choice newsletter because, you know, we got the newsletter. I'm sure there are a lot of strata managers doing similar stuff, but I don't know what they're doing because they don't send us stuff. So. <laughs> and there's another strata company, I think, which is urging its um, owners to dob in neighbours who've been overseas and who are perhaps not self-isolating as carefully as mm. they should, that kind of thing. A duty of care, they called it in their letter to their their owners yeah. uh, you have a duty of care to well they were talking i think they were talking about specifically about um owners who have tenants uh, that they have a duty of care to their community to make sure they're not needlessly spreading infections but they were also talking to people about dobbing in their neighbors if your neighbor comes back from iran or italy or america um, I think America is the real hotspot. Mm. And doesn't is, quarantine themselves. Then uh, they're saying that you should tell the chairman or the secretary or the strata manager. Well, first of all, would you? Would you? If your next door neighbour just came back from a, a coronavirus hotspot or just got off a cruise ship and they were wandering around willy-nilly? Well, I actually think these are extraordinary times and I think we do have to... Well, dob them in, I suppose. <laughs> There's no nicer way to put it. But we have to actually remind them of their civic duties. Well, oh, right, you're going to do this. Well, I wonder if that's a job for the secretary of a strata committee. Right. Or maybe even a strata manager. Right. Now, you've been the secretary of a couple of strata committees, so you've got the dobbing in email. Yes. What are you going to do now? I would... I would either email or phone. I might even just phone uh -huh. and say, hi, I hear you've just come back from your trip. Did you have a good time? <laughs> um, and they'll probably say no because everybody there was Covered, yeah, sick wearing and, masks yeah. and sick. And, yeah. and then, then you say, oh, I guess you're in quarantine now, so if there's anything that you need, if you need any help, let us know and we can you know, deliver yeah. some groceries to you and stuff. Right. And if they say, oh, no, I'm going out shopping on my own, then you'd start saying, really, is that wise? Aren't you meant to be in quarantine for two weeks, as the government says? And if they say, oh, yes, but I'm just ignoring that. Right. 
then I guess um, they're not like they're not likely to do that though, are they? Because they know they've been sprung. They're going right. to go, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm staying at home. I'm not setting food yeah. outside. Hopefully, that kind of gentle approach would be a good reminder to them of their responsibilities. And if they kept ignoring it, then in the end, you probably have to oh. call the police, I suppose. Right. Because you you do have a responsibility to the rest of the community to try and keep them as safe as possible. And if you actually know that somebody's jeopardising that, then it's up to you to take action. Right. I don't think most people would. Oh, I think we're well, turning into we, a bit of a nation of dobbers, really. Yeah, it's yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> um, we love dobbing people in for stuff. Yes. And I think in this case it's justified. And I think it's, you know, it's a situation that people all around the world are having to face. I mean, Britain, there's a big debate going on about... Neighbours dobbing in their neighbours as well, you know. Yeah. And look, if, if some people aren't doing the right thing, then it's up to the rest of us to, to try and gently remind them. And if that doesn't work, then remind them in a bit more stronger way. Okay. Maybe they should change the name of the Neighbours TV show to Dobbers. <laughs> Dobbers. Yeah. Maybe so. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about things you could be listening to and watching on your TV while you are self-isolating. That's after this. So, Sue, you're stuck at home, you've watched all the DVDs that you've got in your collection, you've listened to all the records that you can be bothered listening to. Well, I was getting together a selection of great movies, great classic movies that were set in or about apartments. Well, that's a cool idea. Yeah, because, I mean, it can be a bit claustrophobic in an apartment during a pandemic like this, but why not just revel in it, really? Right. And have a look and see how other people are living. So I was thinking a, a list like um, Rear Window, the 1954 classic. With you know, James one... Stewart. That's right. And he plays a photographer with a broken leg confined to a wheelchair in his New York apartment uh, yes. who idles away his days spying on neighbours. Mm, I watched that recently. Oh, did you? I it's did. a great film, isn't it's it? It's fabulous. And the, there's a fantastic uh, image that goes with the movie. You know, the publicity shot is mm. him sitting there with his broken leg and his telescope or binoculars or whatever. And in the background, there are all these uh, windows and, and <laughs> you know, the, the fire escape landings and things, all these things going on. And it's quite exciting. You know, you think this is what apartment life is supposed to be like. You know, people playing jazz in the corner and, mm. you know, and people arguing. And, and, of course, he thinks he's seen a murder. Yes. And it's, it's good because these days, I mean, we live in, uh, you know, a built-up area as well, and we can look into neighbours' apartments and we can see their dogs and we can see their cats. And a friend of ours, a neighbour <laughs> of ours, um, became friends with one of the people in the building opposite yeah. because she recognised his dog when they were out walking. Oh, really? <laughs> and thankfully, I mean, she, he, he, he wasn't a bit scared when she said, look, I recognise your dog, I live opposite you. He didn't mind her stalking him, kind of. And um, they've become good friends. And so it's actually really quite interesting watching it. I mean, not peering at them through a telescope or through binoculars, but, you know, just it's a pleasant kind of outlook, I think, when you can see yeah. other people just wandering around. Yeah. You can see somebody in bed and you think, oh, I wonder if they're quarantining. shouldn't be quarantining. people in bed. Well, no, if they're on their own in bed. They're quarantining <laughs> themselves and somebody else kind That's of what working. I was and... looking at the apartment uh, or towards the apartment opposite us a couple of weeks ago and this man walked up to the window and he was completely naked Mm. 
Absolutely. I mean, quite clearly. So I averted my eyes, obviously. But just <laughs> this afternoon, I was looking out over the rooftops and there's this two figures on a distant rooftop. And uh, one of them, it looked like he was bowing sharply, like very quickly. I realized he's standing there sneezing. Oh, okay. So, so I called the police. I mean, <laughs> Well, I think one of my most memorable EC meetings was when we used to have it in different people's apartments. We'd move around in different apartments. And uh, a guy was living on the corner of the building. And he said, oh, look, there's my neighbour. And we said, oh, look. And we all turned around and looked. And then we noticed his neighbour was actually having sex with someone at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so the person who'd, who'd pointed out this scene kind of froze in midpoint and mid-wave. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all kind of rushed back to the table, the kitchen yeah. table, and carried on with the, the right. business of the meeting. So Slightly distracted. Yeah. <laughs> so what else, what other movies have you got? Um, there was Billy Wilder's 1960 five Oscar winning comedy drama, The Apartment. Yeah, Do you remember that's that? a classic. Jack Lemmon. Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine, yeah. And that was when apartments were considered to be something a bit kind of bohemian and because the basic premise of that is that Jack Lemon works in an office and he gets himself an apartment, and then his bosses start saying, oh, can we borrow the apartment to have our extramarital affairs? Liaisons yes. in. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and that kind of, in some ways, set the mindset of people about apartments for a couple of decades. They thought mm. people who lived in apartments must be up to something. Yeah, put the sexy back into apartments. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. maybe our number 96 kind of did that as well. Very much later so. Later on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the um, Breakfast at Tiffany's. I mean, that's a beautiful film. She lives in a fabulous apartment, if oh, I recall. Gosh, absolutely. Um, the incredible, chic Holly Golightly in Manhattan apartment with antiques and vintage charm and modern good taste. And that's absolutely beautiful, I think. Do you know that Sumner Locke Elliott, who wrote Careful He Might Hear You, this mm. is his most famous Australian book, when he was, went to America, the offered him the chance to write the script of Breakfast at Tiffany's. <gasps> really? And he wrote the script based on the book, but one of the central characters in the book is gay, and they didn't want a gay character in the film. So they told him to change the gay character, and he refused, so they gave the script to someone else. <gasps> wow. There you go. Goodness me. The man most famous for something... He most famously didn't do. <laughs> well, no. He's most famous for uh, Careful He Might Hear You. Mm. The, yeah, but he could have been even God, more He could have been even more famous, yeah. yeah. But he became a very successful TV writer in America anyway. Sure. Then there was a different, a kind of different film, Roman Polanski's um, Rosemary's Baby. Do you remember that horrible uh, 1968 film? Horrible. Yeah. And that was filmed inside the Dakota building where John Lennon lived. Right. And aside which he was later to be shot. Mm. It's so a great it's... scene in that. One of my favourite scenes in the movie where she's hiding from the people who are chasing her and she accidentally bumps into one of these rocking crib things. <gasps> oh, I remember it, that scene. It, it's it coming just keeps in going. It, keep, oh, keep in coming and out in, shot. And then just her hand comes out from behind the doorway <laughs> with a knife and stops it from rocking and then disappears back inside. I mean, Roman Polanski would probably is politically incorrect to say what a fantastic director he was, but he was. And he had a great eye for cinematography as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you remember um, Mia Farrow's apartment in that, but it was this beautiful sort of sunny yellow, which really contrasted with the, the, the menacing dark, darkness yeah. of the rest of the film. Great film. Yeah, yeah. And then there was also one of my favourite films, Green Card, ah, 1991. Gerard Depardieu, another bad yeah. boy. 
Well, yeah. Yeah. He wasn't such a bad boy back then, was he really? Well, he hadn't confessed more... to being a bad boy. <laughs> he hadn't yet urinated in an aeroplane. Yeah. And uh, he was with Andy McDowell. Yes. And uh, that was about, do you remember a marriage of convenience? Yeah. And he lived in a beautiful well, shabby chic. Oh, she lived in a yeah, beautiful apartment. shabby chic apartment. Yeah. With that greenhouse on the balcony. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, we're now talking about rooftop gardens all the time, but yeah. that balcony in the garden was just fabulous, mm. something that mm. we'd really seen up to that point. And another big film about apartments was Fight Club. Um, oh, yeah. I remember we went to see that at Cannes, didn't we? The Cannes, Cannes Film You got Festival. to interview Edward Norton and... Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. <laughs> I got to interview Meatloaf. That shows you how different status as journalists. <laughs> oh dear, and you I'm said sorry about that. Brad Pitt was very, very nice. Oh, he was absolutely charming. Terrible skin, but he was a really but nice a guy. He was very funny. Yeah, a all lot that of makeup. Act, all that makeup, it yeah. ruins her skin. Yeah. And Edward Norton, that one had a had a fantastic apartment, which is completely destroyed. You might remember the opening scenes where there's all those so IKEA, IKEA price, price tags, tags yeah. on everything. Um, that would be worth watching again, I think. Yeah, it's a real cult classic, I think that yes, one. Yes, yes. And then there was also more recently, two thousand three, the Down with Love. Movie. I don't know this Do you film. Remember that one? Um, it was Rene Zellweger and Ewan McGregor. It was kind of a rom com tribute to to Doris Day, really. And that was just the apartment in that was quite extraordinary. It was just all a kind of um, meringue of pink and white with shag carpet and winding staircase and a fire pit and elegant bathroom. Mm. It's a kind of apartment we all dream of, but we'll never be able to afford. <laughs> yeah, and probably doesn't exist anywhere anymore. Yeah. And even more recently, finally, um, there was High Rise, oh, yeah, yeah, which came out in 2016, so not very long ago, really. Tom Hiddleston, the yes. guy who starred in Night Manager, and yes. Elizabeth Moss from Handmaid's Tale and Mad Men and Jeremy Irons. Mm. And that was a, a dystopian movie about a 1970s tower block in London. I think it was a 40-story high-rise. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think it, it became a bit of a class war between the people who had the apartments at the top and the people who had the apartments at the bottom. Yeah, not that that would ever happen in real life, of course. <laughs> I think we all know buildings where that has happened. Mm. <laughs> And um, that was named one of the best British films of the year as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Might check that out. It must be streaming somewhere. Mm, absolutely. Um, so, right. And there's another one. Um, I think next week we might look at uh, TV shows set in apartments. But there's one that straddles just about every performance genre. It started off as a play, became a movie, then became a very successful TV show, and then more recently was remade as a TV series. Which was quite good. And it was The Odd Couple. Mm. And uh, I, it's, it wasn't bad. that, that yeah, They had the guy really. from Friends who played Chandler, whose real name I can never remember. No. He was actually the guy who played Felix, the really anal guy. He was superb mm. in that. Mm. But Chandler was a bit overacting. Mm. overselling every joke for my money mm. but we'll talk about that next week um terrific and you also we thought about some podcasts we'd like to listen to yeah as well. well look um uh, it's hard to get away from the coronavirus thing i listen to a lot of american podcasts and it's just relentless it's either trump or coronavirus or trump and coronavirus but the npr news 
uh, podcast is great. The Pod Save America, which is basically guys who used to work for Obama, have set up their own podcast, and it's really insightful. The Guardian, Guardian Weekly, BBC coronavirus newscast is another great podcast but these are all overseas ones so i was trying to think of local ones yeah the comedian judith lucy has a fabulous podcast i mean it's it's kind of a bit depressing in some ways it's something about being overwhelmed and dying you know we'll, we'll get the link and put it on the website she has such a funny comic turn and it kind of is testament to her own resilience really that she's managing to survive and overcome all those hurdles and it's quite good in this coronavirus time to to think about resilience and our own ability Mm. to get over hurdles and our own issues and problems and there's also lee sales and annabelle crab their chat 10 looks three which is which is really good fun for a happier time if you want a complete getaway there's also the podcasts on traveler.com.au all right and i guess you have a link to that on your website maybe too because oh yeah um the travel writers at the um, sydney morning herald melbourne age brisbane times we do a regular podcast on various subjects. And right. the last one I did was, um, the latest one really, was about travel and the future of travel. And we talk about the kind of places that we would love to go back to at the end of this pandemic. Yes. And um, how we think that Australians will rush back to destinations because there'll be so many great deals out there. Absolutely. Kind of encouraging yeah. people yeah. to get back. Yeah. And how Australians really love travel. It will take a lot more than this to put us off it, really. I think we've got the second highest per capita ownership of passports in the world. And we were the the highest rate of cruise travellers in the world what, per Australians? head of population. Yes. Even more than Americans? Oh, much more than Americans. Really? Yes, but I don't know if that's going to be the same after this. <laughs> it's kind of the cruise industry is going to be battling hard to re-establish its credentials, I think. It's going to yeah. Be tough but i think it will get there but it might take a little while uh look people were going on these cruises even after they heard you know there was it wasn't just coronavirus there was a few nasties going around a few ships before that and i think you know when the cruise industry comes back they'll be selling themselves as the safest way to travel yeah because everything will be so clean yeah they'd have to the food the will be back. completely covered. There'll be yeah. no more buffets where you serve yourself anymore. No more buffets. <laughs> well, I think that was kind of going out anyway. Um, the last couple of cruises I went on, you had to get people to serve you. And one of them, you could serve yourself, but it was a huge effort. You had to really try and sneak in under the glass and stuff. So I don't think you were meant to. Mm. So I, I think it's going to be a lot, lot different in future. Yeah. I was just trying to think of some comedy websites to uh, or podcasts sorry to uh, cheer us up in these dark times i mean we're both big fans of the bbc friday night comedy podcast the now show and the news quiz and i love a a bbc it's kind of like a bbc radio sitcom which you hate which is ed reardon's week Oh, no. Which is the diary of a failed writer. It's, oh, uh, it's too close to home, I'm afraid, Jimmy. <laughs> only, only if you failed, and neither of us have done that yet. Oh, there's always the fear of failure. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Those dark days ahead. Okay, when we come back, we're going to have a quick look at our Hey Martha's for the week. That's after this. And so, have you found anything interesting for a Hey Martha this week, Jimmy? I have. Just a passing reference. Um, I just loved the guy who was stopped by the police who said, 
where are you going? Is your trip essential? And he said, yes, I'm going to my drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, but, well, he's honest. Yeah, yeah you know, I guess it didn't turn out. And it was essential well. to him. But I don't think he got there, and I think he got fined. I think his uh, drug money was taken off him. Oh, no. Oh. So uh, that, that stuck out for me. How about you? Um, I love the YouTube video. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It's... Um, a parody of Adele's Hello song. All right. And it's a guy, he's kind of a comedian and singer, but he's got a great voice, Chris Mann yeah. um, from L.A., and he does this parody of it. He's singing it while he's at a window, yes. going mad at having to be in self-isolation. Right. And it's things like um, he's, he's often got his face pressed up against the window, looking yearningly out at the outside world where he's not allowed to go. And at one point he, he looks down, he says, it's not even worth putting pants on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a really entertaining clip. It's yeah. fabulous. It, Clever and, man. And yeah, great voice. Great voice. And just before we go, um, just to preview a story we're going to be chasing up this week. Um, on Friday last week, the Code of Conduct uh, in New South Wales for Airbnb and other short term rental properties. Um, that was supposed to come in at the same time as the new laws about being able to create bylaws about short-term rentals. The new code of conduct was on the, the table. It was on the. It had been gazetted. It was ready to go. All it needed was the final stamp to say this is now law. And apparently, late on Friday night, a phone call from persons unknown to somebody in the ministry came through and it was pulled. <gasps> Oh, gosh, so, after all that work and all that negotiation and all those discussions. Absolutely. And it had, you know, it was full of interesting things like if you were going to run your property as an Airbnb, and I'm too, using that as a generic term, um, you had to let the next door neighbor know and you had to let your committee know. And all these things that in these days of coronavirus, when they have been encouraging people to self-isolate, they've stopped doing that now. They're now saying, if you want to work from home, well, here's a home you can work from. These controls were absolutely more necessary than ever. And um, according to my contact at Fair Trading, they haven't, it hasn't been cancelled, it's just been delayed. Aww. The question is, why? Why now? When it, was, it wasn't like anybody had to do anything except press the switch, the minister apparently liked the code of conduct. The committee that was formed to create it had agreed on it, and then suddenly it gets pulled. So we'll be chasing that this week. Okay, look forward to that. And thanks for coming down the corridor, Sue, and talk to you again on this podcast next week. Stay safe. Bye. If you enjoy these podcasts, and would you still be listening if you didn't, you can subscribe free of charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and lots of other podcast platforms. As I said, it's free of charge, and that means the podcast will be delivered directly to your phone, laptop, or computer as soon as it's published. You'll find links at the end of the show notes, that's the related story, on the Flat Chat website. And the website is where you go to find the stories we've been discussing today as well as about 10 years of archives and, of course, your questions and answers on the Flat Chat forum. Just log in to flat-chat.com.au, 
to ask a question or, even better, answer someone else's. Okay, thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon.